Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Power with Dr. Jannie Chang, the podcast that helps women from all walks of life use thought work, research, and storytelling to help rewire your brain and kick ass in your personal and professional life. Hi, friends. This week, this episode is all about our nervous systems and channeling our predator energy. Uh, I draw from the book, Call of the Wild, How We Heal Trauma, Awaken Our Own Power, and Use It for Good by Kimberly Ann Johnson. So my husband and I were browsing Netflix and Amazon Prime for movies the other night, and there were just so many movies that were so violent. And I will admit that I am pretty squeamish when it comes to blood, but aside from that, I do wonder what seeing all this violence in films does to our nervous system as a society because so much of our thoughts are subconscious and we absorb this messaging from the media in images around us and this can cause our nervous systems to go haywire and and this is in addition to external events that have happened that I would categorize as trauma with a capital T like school shootings and this pandemic that we're still in. Uh, So I want to talk about trauma uh, like it's a commonplace thing and not just what happens to other people. So there's trauma with a capital T, which is like life-changing incidents. And then there's trauma with a lowercase t, which is what Kimberly Johnson calls uh, unprocessed material in our bodies that affects how we act and interact with the world around us. She also says that trauma is not just a specific event, which is how we tend to think of it. It's it's the way we process the event, how we digest it, how we metabolize it, and the residue that shows up in different ways for each of us. For some, it might manifest itself as nonstop talking or certain eye movements or certain body postures, even the development of personality structures. It's part of being human to have trauma. Basically, we all have traumas that go unprocessed and that live in our bodies. And it's primarily because of what we discussed. I talked about this in my last episode on stress. Humans and domesticated animals don't get to complete stress cycles, whereas wild animals do and therefore don't experience trauma. I mean, this is just something that is so fascinating to me, right? The rabbit that gets hunted by a wolf, for example, will play dead, collapse. This is a sign of its system shutting down, right? The wolf that might come and pick up the rabbit, shake it. Predators don't necessarily want a dead prey, right? So if it's convinced the rabbit is dead, it'll drop it and run off. The rabbit when it senses safety, is going to perk up, uh, you know, jump to all fours, and start to shake and shake and shake until it stops. That allows the stress cycle to be completed. Now, the thing about stress cycles, many things can interrupt them for humans. And I find that for many of my clients who are women identified, and have experienced workplace traumas, they tend to have freeze responses, 
excuse me. What is this? What does this look like? Freeze responses. You know, they might have had a boss that they didn't get along with or a job that they were not happy about, you know, instead of allowing themselves to feel angry or sad, they suppress it and try to escape the feeling. And then of course, then the job, they engage in codependent behavior by allowing others like their job to dictate their sense of self-worth. When you skip the sympathetic step of recognizing your anger or sadness or the parasympathetic response of hopelessness, then you end up either acting aggressive and domineering or on the other side of the spectrum, weak and diminished with this sense of power, your own power that's also diminished. The response is not even something that we're consciously doing, right? It's a physiological response. It's a habitual trauma response. And the responses aren't either good or bad. You know, we don't have to judge them. But we can be aware of what our body needs and be able to tap into what energy we need based on the situation. And by the way, the predator and prey relationship is also neither good nor bad. We don't have to judge in that way. It's also on a spectrum. Um, but it, we can actually tap into these different energies. And if we are able to expand our ability to tap into these energies, then we can use them and activate them based on the situation that we're in. We can be flexible with what we want to channel. <coughs> Excuse me. When we feel unsafe in the nervous system, we have some nervous system responses, right? To stress. Now, most people know about fight or flight, and that's in that sympathetic style. Um, then in the parasympathetic system, we have a freeze or collapse response, like when an animal plays dead. When we feel unsafe, another response is to fawn, which is when we try to be nice and be less threatening. If you're a people pleaser, um, then this is very familiar, right? Fawning is a survival strategy. It starts off as niceness. Then it turns into appeasing and then acquiescing. It says, if I lose my sense of personal wants and desires, I'll be able to please someone else and I can stay safe. Now, for many women or people like myself who inhabit marginalized bodies and identities who've been told that self-care is about taking baths or doing yoga, anything that down-regulates the nervous system, now that might actually not lead towards healing. I've noticed for myself that I had been in freeze mode for a few years um, since a workplace trauma that happened over seven years ago. And I was one of those people that went into yoga and meditation and exercises that downgraded my um, nervous system. But really, what got me back into the healing process was doing rolfing. And rolfing, some of you may be familiar, is like really, it's, it's intense body work um, on the tissues, the fascia tissues that uh, actually connect to your nerves. And that also, along with grounding exercises, grounding exercises is what allowed me 
to heal from that workplace trauma. And it's very similar to what Kimberly Ann Johnson recommends in her book is reclaiming our predator energy, okay, predator. And so for those of us that are social justice minded or activist minded and tend to be on the altruistic side, it feels so counterintuitive to what we want, right? Like if we were to watch the video of a predator hunting a prey, we might identify with prey, with the prey energy, right? If you tend to root for the underdog, you tend to have uh, certain belief systems, like you're a vegetarian or you care about the planet, right? Um, I think a lot of people do identify with, you know, the rabbit or the prey and with that energy, right? Um, also, I think in a spiritual sense, a lot of the teachings that we've been conditioned to believe, you know, that there's no you or I or ego and that we're all one amorphous being, you know, these ideas actually work against nervous system repair because for you to be grounded in your body and to then reclaim that predator energy, you need to feel that sense of separation first in that body, you know, and then you come back and into this collective, right? And we talked about that before with the polyvagal theory, totally geeking out here, <laughs> but uh, is that, you know, we can co-regulate with other people, right? And that's where community and the collective is so important. But Aside from that, we still, I mean, initially we do need to feel the sense of boundaries within the bodies in which we inhabit, right? And so when we've been socialized to believe there is no I, or like I am not as important as other people, or if you're empathetic and, or highly sensitive, by the way, being highly sensitive could also be a response to trauma as opposed to something that we tend to think is just a personality trait, right? Um, but we've been socialized to always be on the side of the prey and channel that energy. Well, then we really have to unpack that and challenge that because it could be based uh, on a, on a trauma in the past. It could be a response to trauma. It could also be a response to social conditioning, right? And so being in our body and being more aware actually will help us identify like why it is that we tend to over-identify with the prey and then learn to channel the predator energy because that's what keeps a balance. It's like the yin-yang, you know, in Taoist philosophy, um, you know, where they balance each other out. Right. And same with like the 50 50 concept in coaching. Right. Like there's no like 50 percent of the time is positive. 50 percent of the time is negative. They go together. And in fact, it's that 50 percent of the time that's negative that actually helps you enjoy the 50 percent that's positive more. So similarly, the prey and predator relationship are interdependent and they go together. OK. And so. We're, when we're able to channel either of those energies and being aware of when we need to do that, our bodies tell us that. Our body has a certain intelligence that will tell us that. And it's not just some sort of habitual trauma response, 
then it'll help us heal. <coughs> Excuse me, I have a <coughs> cough going on here. Um, but so I think that this is really interesting to talk about. Um, and I'd love to hear from you listeners, my friend, my friends, um, you know, email me about this. I really, I, um, this is something that I care passionately about is when I talked, you know, previously in episodes about somatics work and also, um, combined with thought work as well. But, you know, so much of this cognitive behavioral, um, therapy and a lot of these Western based, um, you know, uh, interventions and as effective as they are, tend to be focused on the mind, like affirmations and, and thinking your way out of something. But when that's not working, I think that it's very important to have this toolbox and recognize like, I mean, even just to call it mind body connection presupposes that they're separate, but actually it's like, they're so connected, you know? And so it's important to also just be aware of the way that our bodies work physiologically and also our nervous system, right? Like imagine a world that's just arranged and designed around nervous systems. You know, can you imagine, right? Like I watched this talk recently about this and it's like, what if it's like parks and urban layouts were designed um, based on people's nervous systems, you know, like what made them feel safe, right? Like it would totally just change the layout of things like where, you know, certain centers are located and where certain parks are and how the traffic should flow, right? Because so much of, I think our daily lives does trigger the sympathetic part of the nervous system, which is that fight or flight, you know, as we're saying here, that's not always bad, right? Because like, you do want to channel that when you channel the predator energy, you are essentially channeling that sympathetic or activating the sympathetic response, right? For those people who are tend to be dominant in the parasympathetic sense, you know, they want it's good. The balance to that is to actually activate the sympathetic response, right? But you know, it's, it's a balance, uh, issue, right? Because if you do that too much, like obviously with our modern world, with, you know, being in traffic or having stressful jobs or stressful lives and all these concerns and that sympathetic, um, activation then goes into overdrive, right? And then we're not able to complete stress cycles and then that becomes chronic stress, right? So it's really about a balance. Now at the workplace, um, you know, Establishing healthy aggression is, is so important, right? And so um, when we talk about channeling predator energy, and in this case, Kimberly Ann Johnson talks about channeling the jaguar, you know, because in Brazil, it was like the jaguar had this like very powerful symbolic uh, aspect to it, right? And so when we talk about that channeling the predator energy, it's not about being just aggressive, okay, or dominating, okay? And so one of the th issues that I see in the professional world is that for women, you know, first you're judged differently than men if you're not seen as likable and personable. That's one thing to consider. Uh, second, this is something that you often see in the academic world, the corporate world, is that for women in previous generations who had to go through a lot 
to get tenured and fight all these battles and just carve their place in academia and in the in you know C-suite. They had to emulate masculine leadership styles. And what I mean is that I think so many of them were forced to suppress and sometimes hide showing emotions or take on a style that's just aggressive and masculine in order to be taken seriously because that's what they saw in their leaders and mentors around them, that that's what it took to succeed in their profession. Now that again also could be considered a response to trauma. You know, it is not uh, conscious, right? And it certainly may have been out of alignment with what their body really needed. We live in a culture in the U.S. where power is seen in examples of colonialism and imperialism and dehumanizing people, right, for profit. And so that just is conquering and dominating and dehumanizing. We don't even know, I think for many people, what healthy power looks like, right? And that's so true as well for women in the workplace who are climbing the ladder or occupying leadership positions. We think, you know, it's about hiring and firing people or using force, force to get people to do what you want. But it doesn't really have to be that way, right? I mean, if we are to be more attuned to our nervous systems, and individually and collectively, then what would that look like? What would leadership look like? Whether it's woman or man or non-binary, right? What would that look like if we cared about our own nervous system and the people that we're working with, their nervous systems? Because in the workplace, there's nothing more powerful than listening and mentoring with purpose, and being a strategic yet ferocious ally, right? It's not be about becoming an alpha female, <clears throat> right? It's not about becoming an alpha female because that's just overcompensating, right? Um, and that's not grounded and, and rooted and based in, in what your body really needs, right? When we activate our predator energy in a healthy fight response, we're able to then fully relax parasympathetically, parasympathetically excuse me, for safety. Now, how do we channel our predator energy? Literally, you know, and I've, I've done this and it's so liberating and powerful is, you know, it's recommended by Kimberly, is to mimic the motions and sounds of the predator of your choice. In this case, like I, I channeled the jaguar. You know, it's channeling that energy of healthy aggression. You get on all fours, you mimic the motors and motions of a jaguar that's in pursuit. You can make the sounds a full roar you know, and also the book talks about voo, voo, certain sounds really just add energy and that activates a sympathetic part of you, like voo, right? Um, this also helps those who tend to be 
you know, I think we talked about this, like we're parasympathetic dominant, right? You show your fangs as an abiding motion, right? You add the clawing of your hands. You feel that energy move through you. There might be even some exercises to do, and I think she talks about this, um, like wrestling someone, you know, and in a very purposeful way, right? So that these are all ways that we can channel the predator energy is getting on all fours, really becoming that predator, mimicking the motions and the sounds. Um, I've done it and I mean, it just charge, it brings fire. You feel the fire in your belly. There's also breath work as well that does that and brings a fire in your belly. And if you know that kind of breath work, by all means, like that's one of the most effective ways of doing that and activating that sympathetic response if you tend to be parasympathetic dominant, right? That is, you tend to be just like more calm, right? But you need to channel that fire, okay? Part of our journey as a human is to get to know our nervous systems and feeling at home with our bodies. We can feel how it feels to inhabit our body. You know, notice how much space you're taking or not taking. These are all grounding exercises that bring you closer to awareness of your nervous system. You know, if you tend to be parasympathetic dominant, then doing meditation retreats or even more yoga may actually be more disconnecting than healing. It won't balance your energies out, you know? It's also, so this is also about just getting to know you, your nervous system, your thoughts and feelings, all of that, right? Like where do you tend to fall? Parasympathetic, sympathetic, or certain situations that you want to work on? And how can you balance that out? How can you channel another space in which you perhaps you're not really used to, right? And like I, the other day I was watching, you know, wrestling, uh, you know, on, on TV and I thought, wow, all the, you know, and it's, it's almost like a dance in some ways, but I was like, that's a whole space that I'm not very aware of, but, you know, I can find ways to actually channel some of those movements and the grunts, you know, in my my daily practice, right? And that actually can also lend itself to other areas of your life. So when you get that fire in your belly and you channel that and you reclaim your power, it can, you know, it bleeds into other areas of your life, like your, your work. You can go and ask for a promotion or for a raise, but be grounded in it. So it's not, you know, you don't feel like you're disconnected from this mission. It feels very purposeful and Like you're in your body and you're present, right? Or it could be, you know, in a relationship that you're in where you are expressing your needs, you know, your sexual needs, right? Uh, The book actually talks a lot about that. But um, this channeling that predator energy helps with that in all areas of your life, right? Um, So it's getting to know your nervous system, getting to know where you tend to lie, getting to know what energies to channel to complement that, and then doing the exercises that will help you and cultivate greater self-compassion and love. That self-compassion piece is always so important in all of my coaching, all of my work, um, and here as well, right? 
So always be self-compassionate and loving, even as we pendulate into the predator space and we learn to greater advocate for ourselves and step into our own power. That is the kind of coaching I do, and this is why I'm here. It's truly my life's purpose. It is to coach women, and especially all women from all walks of life, feel good about themselves, right? And step into the power that's already there. And that does involve somatic work, which is what we talk about here, channeling that predator energy, getting into our bodies, recognizing when we feel safe and when we don't. And of course, our thoughts and feelings and being aware of that. Both are so crucial. And I also use other methods as well based on the client and I customize it. But I want to work with you. I want to hear from you. I want to hear your story. So reach out to me. Email me at jannychang1 at gmail.com. Let me know. Uh, Give me feedback on on this podcast and what's serving you and what's not. Um, And I mean, I enjoy every step of this, like from the researching to the writing to the applying to the practicing. I love coaching in all its aspects. And I love also being an entrepreneur. That's a life coach is what I do. So reach out to me and let's get connected, my friend. (laughs) 